Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. From wherever you are around the world, we really appreciate you stepping into a conversation that I'm having with Fernando Franco. And we're gonna explain a little bit more about his expertise and, and the things that he's uh, so great at. And we're gonna learn a lot today from him about Silicon Valley. My name is Doug Brunke. I'm the founder and CEO of Global Chamber. I have the best job in the world. So I get to speak with really smart, intelligent, uh, connected global leaders all over. And we actually learned about Fernando through our Global Chamber Hermosillo Sonora uh, chapter. And so thank you to Christian Aguirre, our executive director there for originally introducing us to Fernando. Uh, and then subsequently, we learned that not only is he active in Mexico, but he's very active in the Bay Area. And lo and behold, he's been a podcaster since 2016, talking about what it's like for, uh, in the beginning at least, Latin American companies and dealing with the difficulties and the challenges and the opportunities of Silicon Valley. And now he's become very knowledgeable about it more holistically. And certainly he's still mainly between the Latin America and Silicon Valley, but now he's a Silicon Valley expert. And so we're gonna tap into that expertise today for whatever country you might be interested in. Uh, if you're thinking about Silicon Valley, if you're there already, um, if you've got clients that are involved with the ecosystem there or wish to be, you're going to take away some uh, key learnings today. So, Fernando, you are uh, the executive director of Puente Labs in San Francisco, and you're also the co-founder of Turcos Media, uh, and you're going to explain hopefully a little bit more, but I love that concept that I originally just, I can't get it out of my head, the El Valle de la Los Turcos, which yeah. is the Valley of the Stubborn. And whether I understand it properly or not, at least in my head, what I thought of was, you know, what it takes to be uh, successful as an entrepreneur, and especially in Silicon Valley, is to be stubborn, you know, to stick with what you believe in, but also be smart about it. And I, I think a lot of your thinking and your process has been to be encouraging of companies coming into Silicon Valley to not just be smart, and that's a key part of it, but also stick with it. So tell us a little bit more about how that all came about. And you know, don't burst my bubble if I have the whole story <laughs> wrong, because it, you know, a, at a least for bit. me, I, I feel that in my heart. And I've been telling a lot of people about that. And I, and I believe in your mission and, and believe in what you're doing. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a mixed bag, Doug. And, and first of all, thank you so much for the invitation. Um, I, it's a mixed bag. Really, the, the podcast, we started the podcast in um, October 2016. And, and, and me and a friend who's a journalist, uh, Argentine journalist that lives in Silicon Valley. And uh, we started it because we got connected and he wanted to, he had just moved to the U.S. Uh, to Silicon Valley. And he said, look, I want to keep doing some journalism. And you know everyone from the um, startup ecosystem from Latin America here. So I want to tell their stories in a podcast format. And I had never heard a podcast before. So, uh, so he said, hey, if we team up, we can, we can do this. And I wasn't that convinced at the beginning, but something clicked when he said, look, look, look at all the 
how the media is covering the stories of Latin American uh, entrepreneurs competing in Silicon Valley. And talking about Latin American media because Silicon Valley media doesn't really cover them. So, and, and all, the, all the media, all the coverage was super positive. It only talked about unicorns and it talked about this ideal place, Silicon Valley. It, it sounded like this place where if you took a plane into Silicon Valley, landed, and after a day or two, you'll, you can fly back home with a check with $2 million or $5 million or whatever. And, it, and it's not true. So everything was about this, um, everything was so positive. And, and again, we, we wanted to tell the, the truth, you know, and me being in Silicon Valley for right now, it's been like 11 years. I knew that there were entrepreneurs that were sleeping in their cars because they couldn't pay rent. They hadn't gotten a check from an investor. I knew entrepreneurs that were cleaning hostel, like hostels, um, um, where they would be allowed to sleep because they were cleaning, right? And they didn't have to pay for, for their, their, uh, their bed. So, so I, I knew, that's not glamorous at all, right? And so, so you have the entrepreneurs that have sold their companies for $500 million, but you also have the ones that are sleeping in their cars and, uh, or a rented car, not even their cars. So, uh, <laughs> so, so I, I liked that approach that really clicked with me. And I said, look, let's, let's do this, right? Let's, let's tell the stories. And they couldn't lie during the interviews because I knew all of them and I knew the real story. So the moment they wanted to say, look, we have hockey stick growth and we're killing it and we're doing great and everything's perfect. Wait, it's not. I know you, I've known you for five years and I know what's happening. So, um, so that's, that's, that's why it started. It's just, we wanted to paint a real picture of what Silicon Valley was like. And it is very good at some things and it's horrible at others. So uh, we just wanted to, to, to communicate that to the audience. Oh, that's cool. What, what got you there originally? Why, why were you there? Silicon Valley? Um, I, I, I was, I, I originally came to the U S in 2009 as a trade and investment deputy trade and investment commissioner for the Mexican government. So the Mexican government, the ministry of economy used to have, uh, an agency called ProMexico and ProMexico was a trade and investment agency of, of, of the Mexican government, which has disappeared, uh, recently with this current administration it no longer exists. And uh, that agency used to have 41 offices around the world promoting business into Mexico, trade and investment. So uh, that was my expertise. And I was recruited to go to as a deputy trade and investment commissioner to the LA office. And I had never lived in the US before. So I was like, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll take a shot at it. So I moved to LA. I was there for a year and a half and two years or two years. And then... Uh, <laughs> And then I get a call one day and, and uh, from headquarters in Mexico City and they said, look, we just noticed that California is basically two different states, right? You have North California and South California. North California uh, is technology, renewable energy, 
South California, a lot of entertainment, a lot of manufacturing. It's completely different. The weather is different. Everything is different. And we weren't able to, to dedicate as much time as we needed to go into North California to develop business for Mexico. So they said, we're, we're, we're going to open a new office. So that's, they, they didn't ask me. I always tell people that I got transferred. That did, they didn't ask me. They're like, hey, next, next Friday you're moving to San Francisco. You're going to start our office there. So uh, <laughs> that's, how I, that's how I landed in San Francisco. Um, and I had never been there before. And it was funny because I, wa I was a fan of the 49ers of the, you know, the, the football team and, and the Giants, the baseball team. But I've never been there before. So uh, that's, how I, uh, that's how I got to San Francisco. And it was very hard for me because in my mind, my mindset was manufacturing. That's, that's what I knew, manufacturing. All the projects that I, that I had for investment, for indirect investment into Mexico were manufacturing. And then I go to Silicon Valley and nobody's manufacturing anything. You know, it's just smart people in rooms with laptops and developing technology or software or apps. So I had to learn super, super quickly, unlearn what I had learned about economic development and manufacturing, and then just focus on new technology, software apps and all that stuff. So that's how I got from one week to the other I, it was funny because I had just moved into a new apartment and, and they were moving. I got the movers in LA. I were moving into the furniture. And in that moment, I get a call from headquarters and they're like, guess what? You're moving to San Francisco next week. So it's like, Hey, everyone stopped. Good. <laughs> they leave everything. Yeah. And um, that's how it happened. That's how I landed in San Francisco. So that those initial days must have been quite shocking, given your background and and you you probably absolutely knew that you needed to come up quickly. I mean, in terms of coming up to speed and understanding and kind of getting into the flow. So what were what were some of the things that you did that were very helpful for you to come up to speed and understand the ecosystem? You know, it's, it's funny because I, I would go to cafes and I would go to several places. And I started noticing that I couldn't understand what they were talking about. So I would eavesdrop into other conversations, which is rude, but I had to, to understand what was going on. And I, I swear, I knew they were speaking English. And I was like, <laughs> I, I, I can speak English, even though it's not in my mother tongue. I, I understand. Uh, I know they're speaking English. I just don't understand what's an IPO or what's Python or what's Ruby on Rails, I have no idea. So then and there I understood I had to learn the language. So I started finding um, other Mexicans that were in technology, working at companies like Google, Facebook, Apple, and just asking them, like asking questions. Like it doesn't matter how stupid I would look. And it's like, hey, I don't know what's this, what's that. And they would explain to me, they would be nice enough to explain to me what that meant. So then you start adding that to your dictionary. And um, after a while, I, I, I understood, you know, 20, 30, 50, 75 percent. I'm still not 100, right? Even after 10 years, uh, but, but I'm close. And, and uh, that really helped just surrounding yourself like... Uh, raising your hand and saying, I don't know. 
and accepting that you don't know something and identifying sure. people that know and that you get the feeling that they're open to, you know, share a beer with you or a coffee and, and, and they can answer your questions. And that really, that really helped to get me up to speed with what was going on around, um, around me. And, and of course, it, you start speaking the language and that's how you can open the door, right? Because when you don't know what's going on and you are trying to land a meeting with someone and you don't speak that language, the slang and, and those words, it's just, it's very, very tough. They, 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 they sense it. They get it right away that you have no idea what it's all about. So it's just before I made a fool out of myself, well, I did a few times, but I stopped, I learned first, and then I, um, I started requesting meetings and it, and it, it, it helped. It worked. It totally worked. So there's the language, right, and the, the specific words, but there's also kind of a flow of how things happen, right, and why, you know how to meet people and where to meet people. So there's those cultural aspects that you had to pick up as well. Yeah, um, it's it's a very odd place because you know coming from LA, it's it's completely different. In LA, if you work, you 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 should live and work in the same place. Right, because if you want to go to a place that's 50 minutes away, it'll take you two hours and 50 minutes to get there. So in in San Francisco, it's it was you can walk, you can drive, you can take light rail, uh, bus, subway, uh, cable car. I mean, it, there's you can take a bike. So um, it's it was very easy to just move around uh, the, the, the city and, and go to meetings. So it, it, it's just very, um, it's, a, it's a place where it's easy to connect and it's a place where it's easy to, to, um, to connect with other people, right? I mean, LA was, was very difficult in that sense. And so San, San Francisco is a place where you can, you can have five meetings in a day. It's just the productivity. It's 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 incredible. So you would go to, you would go. You, your meetings are not necessarily going to offices of other people. You know, you'll you'll meet them in coffee places. There's a ton of events all the time, and it's not only San Francisco. So the whole so that whole area of the peninsula between San Francisco and San Jose, it's there's an hour distance driving without traffic. But between San Francisco and San Jose, you have all these places like Mountain View, Palo Alto, uh, San Mateo, Redwood City, uh, um, Sunnyvale, and all these places have a corporate. They'll have LinkedIn corporate, HP, Evernote, uh, Pinterest, Airbnb. And, so, and they'll all have startups and accelerators and venture capitalist offices around them. So the whole place is just filled with events you have to take your pick and, and really be mindful of that, of what you want to do. Of course, I'm talking about pre-COVID, right? Because sure. now there's, there's nothing. You know, we, we have, there's this. Uh, but before it was just, you could, you, you could really take your pick. If, if you went to a cafe um, or, or just an event or something, you will always meet people. Sometimes I would go to a um, co-working space for a meeting 
and I would stay in that co-working space I would, I, like five hours because somebody will say, hey, you have to meet this person. And then that person will say, hey, can I show you what I'm doing? And then you will meet someone else. And instead of staying for a, a meeting for an hour, you will stay for five hours, which is insane. Maybe it's not that productive, but you end up meeting like a ton of people just because everyone is so cramped in that small area, right? It, it's, it's very odd, and, but fascinating at the same time. Sure, that, that makes sense. But by the way, I do want to mention that this is a podcast, but it's also a Globinar. So if for the people who are listening live, feel free to ask questions and we'll weave those in if we can. And if we can't, you know, we'll capture them after, after this. We do plan to have a podcast and a blog post and a recording of all of this afterwards. And so uh, uh, act, act accordingly. Uh, send in your, your information. I, really, the goal of today was to better understand for companies that are landing in San Francisco, even before they land, you know, how to prepare, how to get ready, um, and definitely recognize that it's a, it's a different beast. It's a, it's a different kind of a place. And so, you know, there's co-working spaces, right, every, everywhere, but, um, but there's some pretty amazing firms that's at co-working spaces in the Bay Area, right? right? And, they're, yeah. and, the, and to your point on the San Francisco to San Jose along the peninsula, all the different uh, activities, uh, uh, co-working spaces, events, all, all of that is, is a lot to digest. And so probably your head was exploding, right? And how long did it take, you know, from kind of landing out of your apartment in LA and then coming to San Francisco before you be kind of came comfortable with kind of the flow of things and, and how to position yourself and, 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 and stop apologizing for your lack of information and, your, and the humbleness it sounds like you probably had to show to be accepted um, how long did it take for you to come up to speed? I, I would say, and it's, I think, I would say it's a rule of thumb, but, but I've, I've noticed this. It doesn't matter where you are and what you're doing. Six months, like of learning, listening, talking, and, and just connecting. Six months, after six months, you feel pretty, pretty comfortable. And, but okay. San, I, I would say San Francisco and Silicon Valley make me feel very comfortable since the beginning, because um, like LA, I really liked living, living in LA previously, but it's very, very different. Like in some other places, it's very important how you dress, what you drive, you know, where you work and, and all this stuff. San Francisco and the Bay Area and Silicon Valley doesn't really matter what you drive, what you dress. Uh, it's like, what do you bring to the table? What are you working on? What have you done? Um, what are your skills? And, and that, re that really matters. I mean, I have a better car than Mark Zuckerberg. That, you know, he, <laughs> he drives a Honda Fit. Last time I checked, my car destroys his car. And, and you know, he's a billionaire. Nobody cares here about that, right? And uh, so you, you start, so that, that really click with me as well that nobody cared about that in LA I was a lot more mindful about that um, so people really just and, and that just cared about your intentions and what you brought to the table and that made me feel very very comfortable immediately but of course what I brought to the table I think or, or just talking I would say it took me like six months um, 
Yeah, total. Okay. So at the at the end of that six months, you were still with Promeco, right? At the time, so you were, yeah. what were you bringing to the table there? Were you bringing the possibility of connecting them to to other companies or clients or investment? What was the yeah. what was your deliverable and, and that made it valuable for people to meet up with you? So so I was I I, I was there for three and a half years in uh still in pro mexico pro mexico san francisco and started that operation and uh, basically it was, it was a tough one and it was a tough one because you know economic development uh, pro mexico had 40 i was telling you 41 offices around the world headquarters in mexico city and the mentality in mexico city at the headquarters was uh, economic development was manufacturing manufacturing two thousand jobs $250 million of investment, machinery, large operations. And when you go to Silicon Valley, it's uh, one of the first projects was Oracle was interested in setting up an office with 50 engineers in Mexico, which you don't need a large investment that you need office space, you need internet, electricity, you know, few basic services um, and uh, 50 and to hire 50 engineers. And when I went back to headquarters with this project, they were like, you know, this is, this is ridiculous. Like, why are we opening an office if you have small projects like those? We want big projects. We want manufacturing. We want, Oracle doesn't manufacture anything. You know, you were the ones that wanted to open that office. And these are the types of projects. There was another one from Mountain View, a company that were uh, setting up a, a lab and they were hiring 30 PhDs in agriculture in, in somewhere in central Mexico. And, uh, and I went back to headquarters and they were like, well, why is it so small? Why only 30 PhDs? Why can't they have 300 or 3000? Because they don't need them. They don't need them. Like if you add the salaries they will have, it's the equivalent of 300 manufacturing jobs but this is the way they do business here. It's not about manufacturing. It's, it's just, you know, the, the brain power and, and technology. And so that was, a, I, I used to clash a lot with headquarters because they would be like, that's a small 16 million project. That's a 3 million project, but it wasn't about the number. I'm, I mean, the, the president of Mexico was never going to announce you know, those projects. It's not a, it's, it, it's not Chevrolet or, or Tesla opening an operation, but they were good, good, solid paying jobs that brought new skills as well to, to, to Mexico. But it was always very difficult because the majority of all the operations of, of, of those offices of Mexico, they would only focus manufacturing. And, and, you know, the, in the, and also the funny fact is that the office in San Francisco was the only office of the 41 that basically looked after half a state. The, the office in LA took care of the other half of California, South California, but Hawaii, Utah, Arizona, so all these other places. San Francisco was only half of the state, North California. So, so it, again, it was a very specific economy, very specific business uh, businesses and uh, but it, it was just very hard 
hitting those numbers, the KPIs and the expectations of headquarters, because they would always be like, what is this PhD? Why engineers only? Where's the manufacturing? So, uh, so it, it was hard and we did good. You know, the curious um, thing is that that operation from Oracle that started with 50 engineers grew up to 5,000 eventually. So in, in, in Guadalajara, in Mexico. So uh, it's, it's just, a, it was a very different way of doing economic development. So I would always get these new like instructions or orders of what to do. And I would always tell them, look, you guys are behind a desk over here and I'm down here. I'm boots on the ground. I know what companies here need and I'm going to do what the companies need. And I, what you guys tell me, because if you, I do what you guys tell me, then, um, then I won't get, I won't, I, I can't do my job, right? You, you want me to do something that doesn't exist. That didn't make me very popular, obviously, in headquarters. But uh, the results that were there, so at the end, they couldn't fire me. <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh, but it, it, and then, and if I might add, then came something very, very, um, uh, very new to me that I wasn't expecting. And it was a knock on the door one day in my office in San Francisco. And it was an entrepreneur from Monterey, Mexico. And he's like, hey, I'm a startup. Um, and I was like, I didn't know there were startups in Mexico. And he's like, I'm a startup and I'm looking for investors and I'm looking for clients and I'm looking for mentors. I do this technology. That's what I, I, I do this technology. I was like, okay, that's not within ProMexico's um, responsibilities. We do trade and investment. I don't help entrepreneurs, startups, but it's like, hey, let's give it a go. So I helped them connect with investors, with mentors, and it was successful. Like it, it really helped him. And I said, hey, so that guy told, went back to Mexico, told other two. Then I got two knocks on the door with those two entrepreneurs asking for help. And then I helped them. And then they, so suddenly after a few months, my activity went 70% of my time was dedicated to entrepreneurs wow. and, and helping them. And I would call Mexico City and I was like, hey, I need help. I need, I, we, we don't have resources to help them. We, I'm doing the best I can, but that's not our mandate. And uh, Mexico would say, well, Mexico City would say, no, well, you shouldn't help them because that's not your responsibility. But if we don't help them, nobody does. This is new economy, right? So I didn't, I didn't listen to them. I kept helping, <laughs> I kept, kept helping them. And, um, and that opened a ton of doors. But uh, so, sorry, but answering your question, uh, I, I don't know if I answered your question, but I, it was just the KPIs again were very difficult because we landed with certain expectations and then we had to just go with the flow and what was really there, that was technology, startups, uh, venture capital, and not so much um, manufacturing. There was a little bit, but not, not a lot. And so in terms of location, I presume your living, where you were living was somewhat dictated by where the pro-Mexico office was. And so in retrospect, um, for what you were doing in terms of this, this ecosystem, where, where should you have an office and where should you live or, or does it really matter? You know, 
a few months ago, I would have, <laughs> I would have said uh, uh, most likely San Francisco. Um, but now it, it, it all changed in, in, since March. And myself, me, myself, I, I've been living the last two weeks in Palm Springs. I'm sitting in Palm Springs right now. Wow. Be because, because there were no meetings. My office, my, the building where my office is, is closed. You can only go in Tuesdays from one to three to pick up mail or, or packages. There's no events. Nobody's flying in. You know, San Francisco and, and the whole, you know, Bay Area and Silicon Valley, it was events every day, people coming in from all over the world. Uh, and, and now that, you know, you don't have that anymore. So I told my wife, look, there's, there's not a lot of reason to stay here right now. So, you know, we put our stuff in storage and I said, let's go uh, closer to Mexico, right? So it's a two hour drive here to go to Mexico. Um, and we've been here for two weeks. The, the airport is right behind the, the, this new place I rented. And uh, I had to go to San Francisco a week ago. So I just jumped on a plane 50 minutes later, I, I landed in SFO. Okay. I don't, so I don't, I don't know if right now you have to be there to, it, it's just, I, I really don't know what's going to happen regarding, if, if, regarding that. If it was February, I would have said you have to be there to get connected. Uh, you have to be San Francisco because it's a place where you can walk to all your meetings and you can have five, six meetings per day. So be super productive. Uh, if you have meetings, if you're based on the south of the Bay, San Mateo, Palo Alto, that you maybe have three meetings per, per day, not, not that they're productive because of the distance are so long, you have to take a car. So I, I had very clear what you have to do to be productive and to be on the, in the thick of it. Then that was San Francisco. But now it's, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's not that clear to me anymore. And now it's, I'm commuting when I have to go. And, and I, I made a, a lease for 12 months here um, because that's what I'm expecting. It'll continue. It had been six months, right, of, of, of lockdown. So that's, that's what I think is going to take time to maybe try to get back to normal whatever normal is now. And um, so that's why I'm, I'm here right now. And you see the space is kind of empty still uh, because, <laughs> because I just, there's still pretty white I, walls there for sure. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, so I haven't even hanged anything. So this is my new office right now and uh, in Palm Springs. And um, so uh, let's see how it goes afterwards. And, and I, I still say, I mean, it, it, I think it'll, a lot of people you see it in the news are trying to kill Silicon Valley. Um, I don't think it's going to go away, but I think it is going to share its influence and it is going to share a lot of what's going on in the world regarding entrepreneurship investment. But that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. I just don't, I, I just think it's going to still have a very strong uh, pool and, and people, me, myself, you know, I, I would, I would like to be there right now, but sure. it doesn't make a lot of sense at this point. Tell us more about how you know, the, the Pro Mexico uh, the work that you were doing morphed into what you're doing now so that we understand a little bit more about the activities that you, that you are doing now. Yeah, so 
uh, ProMexico opened all, um, I got a very close relationship with the city of San Francisco when I was a trade and investment commissioner. And, um, and you know, I think it's the only office in the U.S. that has, an, that has a specific office, dedicated office to do business with Latin America. So they opened an office called Latin SF. They, another one called China SF, Asia SF, and uh, no, SF Asia. SF Asia, China SF, Latin SF. And there were offices dedicated to do business with those regions. And each yep. one had a team, had a director, and they offered me the, to be the director for Latin America. And okay. I, but at that point, I absolutely loved the city. I mean, it was 2014, 2015, and I absolutely loved San Francisco. So I was like, hey, I'll do it. So I left uh, from Mexico, and uh, I joined the city of San Francisco as the representative for economic development in, uh, for Latin America. And it was a great, it was great. It was great because it just opened all the, this whole world of not only Mexico, but Brazil, Argentina, Colombia, Chile, Panama. And my job was also, was also to help San Francisco based companies that wanted, that, that had business opportunities or had uh, operations in those countries. So it, it, was, it was great. I, I got to travel and take the mayor of San Francisco. I took him to Panama, I took him to Sao Paulo, to Mexico City, to Rio. And it was the first of, I think it was the first official trip to those countries from a, a mayor of San Francisco. Oh. And, you know, we, we got some investors from Brazil to invest in a new soccer, professional soccer team in, in San Francisco. So it, it was great. I was there for two and a half years and that is what gave me the opportunity now to be director of Puente Labs and uh, which, what I'm doing right, right now. And it also gave me the opportunity to start the podcast, the El Valle de los Tercos that you mentioned, because you got to know all these entrepreneurs, not only from, 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 from Mexico, but from all over Latin America and from Spain that were trying to make it in Silicon Valley. So, so I really think that my job as director of Latin SF, those almost three years is what really op opened the gate for me. Uh, and that's the reason why I'm, what I'm doing right now, you know, being director of Puente Labs. Puente Labs, I dedicate a ton of time to focusing on working with entrepreneurs because when they land in Silicon Valley, who do they talk to? How do they get a mentor? How do they get uh, invest, uh, investors? How do they get partners? All of that, they don't, they don't have that. So, and if you go to a consulate, consulates are not prepared and that's not their mandate. So Puente Labs helps them do that. I have entrepreneurs that are looking for $25 million of funding. It's the largest educational platform in Brazil, but they don't know a lot of investors. So how can I connect with them? We'll do that for them. Well, I have an entrepreneur that has an idea from someone from Colombia will have an idea, but still it's not, hasn't really narrowed down or, or, or it's not very focused. So I'll connect uh, him or her with someone from that area that has already been there, done that. And that really helps him or her. So, um, and we do that all for free. We don't charge them at all because we charge governments from Latin America or large organizations and we provide services to them. And with that money, we keep the operation and we help entrepreneurs. 
Um, and, and, and I think that's a very smart way of doing it. You can't charge entrepreneurs really. Uh, we charge companies and we charge governments uh, that can pay for our services. So I'll have a company come in and say, hey, I'm a retailer, I'm a large retailer in Colombia and I need technology to solve these five problems. So we'll look for that, we'll help them connect with companies that are resolving those issues with technology. So we, it's like innovation scouting, right? Technology scouting. And, um, and we'll get paid for that. And with that money, we don't, do, we don't have profits. With that money, we keep the operation going and we are able to help entrepreneurs from, from, from in Latin America. So it's a win-win situation. And uh, so diasporas are so important in, in Silicon Valley. You, you'll see it all the time with uh, uh, people from India, uh, from Japan, from China, um, from, from Scandinavia. Um, they'll, they'll have their, their groups and it's just so important to help each other. And in the case of Latin America, the, the groups are not so large that they can be independent, right? And fortunately, we get along very well with each other. If you're from Argentina and Colombia, Mexico, you, 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 know, you can go do uh, barbecue and you have a great time, right? We, we, we have great relationships, so we can, so that's how we help each other. We, we put together um, a community and, uh, and that's how we help each other. So diasporas are just so important. So you'll see groups, the, the, there's a, the Silicon Vikings, there's a group called the Silicon Vikings. So Norway, uh, uh, Denmark, uh, Sweden, Finland, and they'll, they, they have a, a Nordic house in Palo Alto and, and, and where they, they basically operate all these startups from, from Scandinavian countries. And, uh, and the governments from, from those countries put money to support the operation of, of, of Nordic house, Nordic Innovation House, it's called. So it, it's just, it's very funny because you see how governments have to come in and be flexible of how they do things to support their ecosystems in, 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 in Latin America, I mean, in, in Silicon Valley. So, uh, so again, diasporas are just very, very important to keep uh, business going and, and help uh, people coming in. It doesn't matter if you're a large company or if you're a small company, uh, there's this place has people from all over the world that they can, um, so you can get help. I want to, I want to continue to pursue those, uh, those points you're making. I see a question in the area and I don't want to end this hour that we're spending together without addressing what you started with today, where you know, the perception is you, you land in San Francisco and a, a day or two later, you've got your check and off you go. What is the process? What, you know, and the question in the, in the chat area was more around like, how does a company from XYZ country, okay. you know, with whatever uh, yeah. technology, how, how do they enter this ecosystem and how do they be successful and what's a, what's a reasonable time frame and what is a, what is a normal process for, for the non, probably the non unicorn um, type yeah. of a company that walks in, it's got something interesting, has something cool. Uh, and so how do they proceed and, and what's the, what's, what's your recommendation? So first of all, you need to understand where are you going and what are you doing? What I mean with this is 
you know, Silicon Valley is, if you're a soccer fan, you'll understand that when I say the Premier League, right? The Premier League is the English football league. And that's the best league, soccer league in the world, right? All the best players in the world want to play for an English soccer team in the Premier League. So Silicon Valley is the Premier League of, I would say, of business and, 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 and technology-related business. So you have to understand that you need to bring your eight game when you come to Silicon Valley. You need to understand that you are competing not only with the best of Silicon Valley, you're competing with the best or the best of California. You're competing with the best of Kentucky, with the best of Colombia, with the best from Pakistan, with the best from Korea, the best of the, the best from Estonia, the best from the world go to compete there. So if you and your company and your product and your service are not up to that standard of competition, then go there to learn. You can always get something out of Silicon Valley. And, and uh, at least you can go and learn about that, of how, how you can be better. Sometimes you see all these, these people coming in and they want to sell. And I understand because if it's your business and you already paid $2,000 for the flight, for the round flight, right? And, and the hotels are super expensive and the meals are very expensive and the event you pay, you're going to, it's $1,500. So you need to sell something to be able to, um, you know, <laughs> to compensate what your, your expenses. But that's, I, sometimes that's not recommendable and that's not smart because it takes time to develop relationships. Silicon Valley is not different to other places in the world where you need to make relationships, build relationships to be able to sell something, to be able to get a meeting. So I, I tell all these people that want to come in and, and they're doing hard sales and they're trying. It's very funny. You'll go to an event and you'll see people networking and you can identify those people that are talking to someone instead of talking about doing casual talk about the weather, about where you came from, what you ate and what you expect of the event. What did you, uh, what did you think about the speaker? They'll be doing like a hard sell of their product and just the person in front of them is petrified that and this person doesn't even understand what the person in front of them is, does, Doug. They don't understand. They just, they just will need to sell something. So they don't even understand who's in front of them. They don't need to understand. They just need to know they're selling. So it's very funny to see these people because they, they, they won't do it. And, and you know, the, the sad thing, they miss an opportunity. I always tell people, don't do that. Do something to be remembered. You know, hey, that funny guy, from, uh, that funny guy from France that, 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 that I met at that event, oh, he emailed me. Hey, uh, wanted to show me something the possibilities of getting an answer to that email or, or, or somebody accepting you in, on LinkedIn, your invitation, because they remember you as, Hey, I like that guy or I liked her. She was super nice. That is more powerful than trying to, to sell, do a hard sell there. Um, and I always tell people that you need to relax and you need to be, Help people remember you 
um, be likable, be super likable, be cool, and um, and then sell. Um, and 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 it, it and it does does help uh, Doug to 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 do that. So that would be one of my my uh, strongest recommendations. It's very hard to sell when you're not there. Remember, the best in the world go to sell there, and the and some of them set up operations. They set it up an office. You'll see them in all the events. You'll see them in the corner cafe, and you'll bump into them. So yep. it's very hard when you're not there, and you come to Silicon Valley every two, maybe two twice a year, to land a business. You yep. need to. You need to uh, again just uh, create a network slowly. I know sometimes patience is not a virtue. Uh, of a lot of people, but um, you you have to in Silicon Valley. Do you, do you recommend that they bring on like a local person, then, and so that somebody who is kind of familiar with that ecosystem is dealing with that, the flow of information that happens there at a much more rapid pace. You know, it, for when I go there, it's like I I suddenly have to kind of accelerate my thought process, right, and and just kind of go with it. So if there's somebody already there and you're and you are located somewhere else, should you be hiring them? Maybe like on commission? Is that even possible and practical? What what what's your recommendation typically on that? I would say yes, on a second phase. I would okay. say yes on a second phase. You cannot hire people where you're not well connected. You the, the possibilities of you hiring the correct person are very low if you don't know what the hell is going around there and you haven't been there for a while. So I have I know companies in Latin America that do that. They'll they'll say, I just need to hire an American, somebody went to Stanford that has a PhD or a master's or an MBA, and it'll cost them a ton of money. And it never works, never works. Why? Wow. Because that person has never, if this, this, let's say this company is in Chile, that person that they hired in San Francisco or whatever has never been to Chile, doesn't speak Spanish, doesn't know the product, has never visited the company, doesn't know the culture, doesn't know what the CEO, the founders have gone through to put together that, to build that company. They don't know the sweat. They don't know the money, the blood they have spilled to build that. So they're, they're, they have no sensibility about that, right? So they won't care as much. So what I tell people is, if you're really interested in this market, come here. I know it's an investment, but come here for two, three months, three months meet people, go to all events. And I have a perfect example. There was this, uh, there's this entrepreneur and he was very successful in Brazil, had a tech company, 80 employees, did great, had a large house, new Mercedes Benz outside his home. His kids went to private schools. He lived a great life in Rio, but he had the itch that he wanted to compete in, in the premier league of entrepreneurship. And that was of technology and that was Silicon Valley. So the guy said, I need to go and see if this product will work, but I can't risk taking my kids out of school. I can't risk the house and I can't risk the cars and I can't risk uh, my relationship with my wife. So he took his, his technology guy himself and a friend and they, the three of them traveled to San Francisco, rented a house for three months, 
the guys bought from Craigslist three bicycles. And it was so funny. You would see these guys from Brazil riding their bikes. You would see them in the main street on a market street. They will be in every event. You will see them in every barbecue. You would see them in every cafe. Everybody knew, knew them. Three months. The guys did, uh, they even brought someone from Brazil to cook so that they didn't have to focus on st stuff like that. Wow. So they, they brought someone with them that would cook and, and, and take care of the house for th three months so that they can focus on what there was their mission. And their mission was to understand if the product had the potential for the US market. And the only way to, to get that information was if they talked to people, get their opinions, get feedback, listen. And after three months, and they were, they were super smart at the end, they did a huge barbecue at their place, a Brazilian barbecue. The place was packed <laughs> after three months. The guys at the end said, hey, there's something here. There's an opportunity. They went back to Brazil. They sold, they got a new CEO. They hired a new CEO for the, for the company, uh, helped them get established, put the, put the, C, the CEO for the, the company they had in Rio and sold houses, sold the cars, got the kids out of school and they moved to, to Silicon Valley, it was really hard for them because the prices, even though Rio is super expensive, San Francisco is, is, is worst. And it was very tough for them to leave that glamorous life they had and, and, and go into rough areas in San Francisco and live there for a year, year and a half until they made it and they got their checks from investors and they got into a great accelerator and they got their first clients. Now that company moved to Atlanta has 40 employees, has clients like Mercedes-Benz, Jeep, HP, Home Depot, Starbucks. They're doing great. But, nice. it, but, but it, took, it was so smart, Doug, for them to say three months. Three months and oh. it, it just focus. Not even, I'm not going to focus on a sandwich. I'm, I'm bringing someone to make that sandwich for me because I can't spend any time making a sandwich. I need to focus on the mission and the mission was successful. And uh, so, so now they can hire, then they can hire some, they, they got all these connections. They hired like this people, they were able to find talent because they were so well connected, right? And it only took them three months. Uh, so I think that's a great story of, of how you can leverage Silicon Valley, how you can do it. Um, I wouldn't say it's cheap, Three months. I mean, it might be yeah. less expensive in other places in the U.S. San Francisco is is you need to sell a few cars uh, to be able to stay those three months in in San Francisco. It's, it sounds like it. So yeah, that's a great success story. Um, in terms of uh, did they end up uh, raising money as well? Yeah, is they they raised one point two million, uh, okay. and that's how and then they faced their first challenge, which is that they had to hire 12 people and they under, then they saw that they couldn't hire three people with that money in the Bay Area in Silicon Valley. So they, they saw Atlanta and they saw that they could hire people there. So they moved the company to Atlanta and they started building there and now they just raised $10 million. Um, so, so, but you see, that's the funny thing. If they would have flown directly from Rio to Atlanta to do what they did, they wouldn't have been able to do it they had to go first to Silicon Valley to get the 
the accelerator, to get the investors, to get the network, to get to the proof of concept of the product because they're surrounded by it. And after that, they left. They got, the, they got their money. It wasn't going to last long in San Francisco, so they went somewhere else in the U.S. to build a company. And that's totally fine. That, that, I mean, I welcome that because the rents are so expensive. You need people to, to go outside. Um, so the only thing I would say, Doug, that, it, that I don't appreciate is you'll see, you know, wherever these companies move to, you'll see mayors of towns or cities saying, well, you see, we got another company away from Silicon Valley. We are more competitive. We have better pricing. We have more talent. We're a new capital technology. You're, they're doing it with Silicon Valley money. So yeah. There's no need to kick Silicon Valley. There's no need to trash it. All, these, all this growth that is happening in other places has happened. I would say 50% of that money comes from Silicon Valley. So why would you trash a place that is investing and helping companies grow and hire people and grow in other places in the U.S. or, or, or beyond outside of the U.S., right? So yeah. that's something I don't understand when you see all these, you know, these people say, coming and say, oh, you know, we're more competitive, we're better. They, they, didn't, they didn't do it with Georgia or Atlanta money. They did it with Silicon Valley, California money, right? So it, they're, you're help, the, both things are positive. Uh, I, I, I think. No, I, I'm glad you articulated that because that frustrates me as well. But I guess it's something that makes them feel better, um, and uh, and they have their own success stories. But but yeah, it's it seems kind of silly and and uh, not necessarily helpful. Uh, when you're good, you don't need to trash the other guy, right? You don't. So, you know, that's not yeah. a good way to to sell, right? Just trashing other people or or exactly. other places. And I honestly, I. I think a lot of the, that trashing is because they're insecure. <laughs> but that's a whole other story. Maybe, maybe. We, we, we only have a few minutes. And so I do want to slip one more question in and then let you recap uh, any other points that you want, you'd like to make today. And the, the one question I want to slip in is I saw Terry Levine, of, um, who's a technology expert and very well connected uh, with French companies. And one of the questions I did want to ask you is how do, based on what you've seen, how do companies from the different countries uh, survive and thrive in, in the area? You've got a lot of experience with Latin America. You mentioned about okay. the, the Silicon Vikings and, and different countries. And here's yeah. Terry with France and Business France and, and Choose Paris, I think, are both in, in Silicon Valley. You know, are, is there an advantage for certain countries there or is everybody pretty much based on whatever their, their idea is? Look, I, more, more than your citizenship, like where are you from? I would say it's about mentality. What is your mentality? And it does help if you come from countries where it's easier to get funding from banks and investors, right? So if you're coming from Europe, it'll probably be easier for you to land in Silicon Valley because and open doors because you probably have funding from, from private investors, or you are in a healthy market already selling and you have money to go and, and, and try it out and go into the US and Silicon Valley. In the case of, of, of developing countries uh, like Latin American countries or some um, countries in Africa or, or, or Middle East and Asia, it, 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 it 
get it can get complicated because if you don't get funding from private investors in your country, then you're coming into the U.S. with not a lot of money. And you know the first thing you have to do is you have to create a company. It'll cost you three thousand dollars. Turn those pesos into dollars, and you'll have a heart attack. So it is more complicated, right? But at the same time, Latin American entrepreneurs and, 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 and entrepreneurs from Africa and other countries in Asia that are developing countries, we understand about resilience. We understand about hardship. We understand that government doesn't give you anything. We understand that banks don't loan you money. So how cool is that? Something I learned when I took the mayor of San Francisco to Brazil, and I took him to all these large companies, like really powerful countries. Uh, powerful uh, companies, and he would be so amazed. And one thing that really, really got his attention was when I told him, imagine, oh, they were just impeaching the, the, the president of Brazil, Dilma Rousseff, and the real, the, the, the currency, had gone from two reals for $1 to four reals for $1. So the economy was in the tank. And I told him, imagine, these business people, these entrepreneurs that you have met without political uh, uh, hardships, without economic hardships, with a healthy economy, with banks that loan you money like in the US, imagine their, their potential and their possibility. Because a lot of the attitude was the, the group that came from San Francisco, so we're gonna teach you about business and what we do. And I was like, you need to also learn from them because I'm pretty sure that a lot of you guys if you had government, uh, uh, no, no help, uh, or no, no, government in the U.S. doesn't help, but they, they, they don't trip you. And in, 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 in countries like Brazil, they, the, the government will trip you. What will happen if you had, uh, if, if the banks in the U.S. will loan you money for 40% per year interest rate, right? That's what happens if you get a loan in Mexico or other countries in developing economies. So you have to be very respectful of that. So the, 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 so the resilience is very strong. So even though you can come in from a developing country into the US and you don't, you don't have that backing from banks or money or investors or something, or your, your English is not that good, but we are very, very resilient. We, we can take it in the chin we we you know so um so i i i, I would say i would say valley of the stubborn that helps a lot dog that, that helps and, a lot and really. resilience and flexible so i would say it's more mentality it doesn't matter where you come from so i wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't talk about nationalities out nationalities i would talk about resilience and mentality if you have what it takes to be knocked down every day because you're competing against the best and you can get up the next day and, and keep fighting. That's, that's awesome. But in wrapping up anything else you'd like to, to, to share anything, uh, key, key points, because this has been just a great journey. I I've learned a lot and I really appreciate you taking the time today. Uh, what would you like to say in kind of in, in a wrap up? Uh, I would say that what makes Silicon Valley special is not Stanford, Berkeley, uh, it, it, it's not Facebook or Google and all the venture capital firms and all the startups that are Airbnb and all these startups. I say they're an element that they are all an element 
of, of, of the ecosystem, right? And what ties them together is cooperation. Silicon Valley wouldn't work if there weren't cooperation between all these players. And you don't have to imitate what Silicon Valley has. You have to imitate to, to develop your ecosystems. You have to develop, you, you, you can develop cooperation. That's what you need to copy. You need to copy paste that cooperation mentality. And, and you can develop your ecosystems, so it doesn't matter where you're at, if you are able to cooperate with others. And you don't have to be a millionaire. You don't have to have sold your company for $500 million or, or IPO'd your company to be able to mentor or help others wherever you're at. We all have abilities. We all are good at something. And there's other people that need that skill and, and they need help. So we, we can help others. We, I don't have to be Mark Zuckerberg to help someone. So I'll help them without expecting anything in return. And that's what happens in Silicon Valley. I have two great mentors in Silicon Valley that are billionaires with a B. And they, and they, I, I know if I still lived in Mexico, I wouldn't get 30 minutes or I wouldn't have uh, mentors that are billionaires with a B. And these people do it because somebody helped them when they got here. They're not from Silicon Valley, but somebody helped them. One of them lived in the garage of an old couple that didn't, didn't charge him rent because they just wanted to help him when he landed in Silicon Valley. So he, he understands it. He pays it forward. If he, want, if he can help someone, maybe he won't give you money, but he'll give you wisdom, know-how, knowledge, and he'll give you his honest opinion. And, and we, you don't have to be a billionaire to do that. We can, we can do that anywhere. So cooperation, I think it's the main, the main thing to develop uh, strong ecosystems. That's, a, a, I think, a great way to, to end it. It's certainly, we've always felt it's very important to, to do that. And so uh, I think it may be one of the reasons why we enjoy working, working there. I think a key point that I'll just say that you bring up, you know, that they'll help you and, uh, and they've, they've helped you. They wouldn't help you if you hadn't paid your dues, right? They wouldn't have helped you if you hadn't demonstrated the humbleness in the beginning and the hard work that you've done to, to build that network and then to give back to so many people as well, right? So part of the ecosystem is appreciating what you have done. Uh, and so you now benefit from that and can give back. Yeah. So we really appreciate you to sharing all that information, all that, that you do as well. And, uh, you know, we walk away from this conversation uh, with not everything uh, answered because uh, mm -hmm. there's so many different aspects yeah. of this, but a, a lot answered and a lot of information that you've shared today that's uh, hopefully very valuable for everybody. So thank you very much, Fernando, for, for, for this time and yeah. your expertise. Really appreciate it. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you, Douglas, for, share, uh, for inviting me. And thank you for, to the Global Chamber members for listening. Our, our pleasure. We do this with amazing people like Fernando uh, from time to time. And so uh, we really appreciate all of you out there for watching for listening if you're checking this out on the podcast and you know check into global chamber at any time and we are the global tribe and uh, we enjoy uh, all the aspects of being professional and ethical and collaborative and helping each other be successful whether it's san francisco or around the world thanks everybody have a great day thank you fernando
Thank you so much. Bye-bye.